1: If you love your lawn, you'll love Toro's latest finance offers on Walk Power and Ride on Mowers. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with James Magnuson and Nick Davis.
2: Yes, welcome. It's James Magnuson here today on the Mowers Club brought to you by Toro. Love your work. Love your Toro motor. Gibbo, that's the first time I've ever had my name in the intro for any show. I feel privileged.
1: Well, Missile, welcome and congratulations, mate, because... You are quite critical of other intro musics for different shows <laughs> on SCN. I know when you were with the Run Home Boys, you were critical there. Yes. Uh, the Summer Boys in summer.
2: Yeah, the Boys of Summer.
1: What about the Saturday Morning Mowers Club intro music, Missile?
2: I'm happy with it. I like it. I like it. It's more my generation. Uh, it's more up to date. Gets me up and about. I'm, I've actually been really happy with the Breakfast Show as well. They've changed to Mr. Brightside by Great the song. Killers. Great song, yeah, yeah. I think that was a big improvement from poor old uh, Shannon Noel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think Shannon Knowles had his day in the sun. But it's yeah. still a good song.
2: It's a good song. You know, actually, who uh, suggested Mr. Brightside was Vossi. Really? He's up. He's up with You the, are.
1: That, that I'm surprises serious. me. I'm
2: serious. He loves it. He because, loves it.
1: Because I've heard Brandy, he loves his music and he loves his, especially his electronic music. <laughs> Uh, No word of a lie. No word of (laughs) a lie. That's
2: surprising. That is surprising. All right. Well, welcome to our listeners, Gibbo. We've got SEN 1170 here in Sydney, SEN 1620 on the Gold Coast. A special hello to all our listeners on SEN Q693. For those listening on the SEN app, and of course, the Mowers Club podcast. You can get that through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places you get your podcasts from.
1: Now, Missile. there obviously is only two voices at the moment in this studio. Nick yep. Davis is will be here to save us soon. but Mowing o, his
2: lawn? I think so, assume? yeah. Yes. Uh, I
1: think that's that's what's happened to Nick. But, Miss O, welcome to the Saturday Morning Mowers Club. Now, I think the first question is, I'm I'm underqualified to be a mower. What about yourself? I know you've got a huge front lawn there in the streets <laughs> of the eastern
2: suburbs. Yeah, Bondi doesn't really allow for uh, for a lawn unless you're a squillionaire. Um, my experience mowing, so that used to be my punishment when I was at school. If, if I had a big night, um, on the drink, maybe before the age of 18, allegedly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. That was
2: my punishment. Um, dad would wake me up, start the mower, send me out the front before breakfast, before any water, or anything like that in the searing heat in summer. So uh, I cut my teeth in the, in the tough streets, the mean streets of Port Macquarie. Yeah, well,
1: they are they are very mean streets. Have you heard much of the Moles Club, Missile?
2: Bits and pieces. I filled in over summer. Yeah, uh, which it's a tough it's a tough carry over summer when there's not much sport on.
1: No, but so, I, I like over summer though, Missile, because you can just get a little looser.
2: Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Yep.
1: I feel like when the footy season's on, we have to sort of talk a little bit more serious sport and. The last time I think you were in these studios doing the Mowers Club, you're off to uh, see Fisher at the Christ, Ivy with uh, right. the Professor James Rochford that's now. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's been, I don't know, what, four or five months now. It How has. was the Ivy Pool Bar here in Sydney?
2: It was good. It was good fun. We had a uh, a small crisis in our household. Uh, so, as you know, Gibbo, I've owned the gym in Marrickville. And Give uh, it a plug, mate. Yeah, try, try Marrickville down there on Sydney Road. Um, and my girlfriend was in uh, training in the gym that morning and she squished her finger between a pair of dumbbells and ended up in hospital that day. While we were here on radio in the Mowers Club, I left home and I said, oh, it's, it'll be all right. It's just a little, it's a little, you know, blood blister on, under the nail. She ended up in hospital. She ended up going and getting surgery on her finger, Ooh. which I'm not sure if it was necessary, but hey, that's what happened. So I, I ended up going from here to hospital to pick her up, which was a shock. I got off here, my phone was got off the my phone was going nuts, went straight to hospital to pick up my girlfriend, which I was very surprised about. then ended up at the Ivy bar um, on my own with a couple of, couple of mates, no, no misses. And then it ended up at Fisher with my mates. Uh, the soldier she was. she turned up at Fisher at about I guess 9 pm at night, hand in a, in a cast, arm in a sling. Uh, in the mosh pit, but to be honest, Gibbo, it kind of brought down my mood a bit. Oh, it I couldn't, would. I couldn't really fly free because I was worried about her and she was sooking a bit and she wasn't drinking cause she'd been on, uh, she'd, she'd been on, uh, anesthetic that day. So it kind of brought me back a little bit, killed my mood. Um, so f- next time or for, for any of our listeners, if, uh, if you're in hospital the day of a festival, just stay at home, let your partner fly free. Here he is. Morning. Nick Davis, welcome. Good morning, sorry
0: lads. Forty Rowing seasons the lawn. back, yeah, mowing. It's a beautiful morning for mowing out there. Probably the mowers at uh, the SCG need to get their mowers on early so we can start training. But,
2: uh, Missile, welcome to the Saturday Morning Mowers Club. Thank you.
0: It's good to have you here.
2: I feel very privileged. I was just saying <laughs> to um, saying to Gibbo, that's the first time I've had my name in the intro of a show. It's, in, it's big, isn't it? It's big. You look for it, and you're looking. You listen for
0: it. It's uh, to be at the front of a. A stinger for the show. And being an avid SEN listener, you listen throughout the week and you hear it all. And it's going to be great for you. Listen to Miss and Nick. How's your summer, summer been, Nick? It's been good. Summer's been pretty good, actually. Oh Yeah, it has been good. Got a fair bit of fishing in, a fair bit of mowing. Uh, my partner, she was away for five and a half weeks, so that sucked. But apart from that, um, it's been pretty good. And now footy's back, sort of snuck up. It does every year. You think after Christmas, after New Year's, you're like, oh, yeah, it's about another. Does it get a little bit earlier each year? This feels It does feel earlier. Early. It does feel earlier each year. And the fact that you're, I'm actually at the Swans and at the Roosters and it sneaks up on you is quite, <laughs> dis- <laughs> it's quite disturbing. But uh, all Roosters fans out there, the team is ready to go. I just wasn't ready for round one. But it, Thursday afternoon, listening to, to SEN and then uh, you can listen to the call of Parramatta and, uh, and Melbourne Storm, I was like, oh, jeez, I wasn't quite ready for that.
2: <laughs> Tell me, at the Roosters, uh, how much time have you spent there in the off-season, uh, working with the kickers, of course, how are the boys looking, how are the boys training? This is, this is the best rugby league squad I've seen in, I think, a decade, including this, the Panthers the last two years, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's been um, it's been really good. Uh, I, I think they're more advanced than what they've been the last few years. Um, a few people uh, around a lot of different teams were unsure about with the World Cup being there and those players yeah. look not being around pre-Christmas and and coming back the first and second week after New Year's, uh, what sort of shape they would would be. But for from what I can tell, the the internationals that have come back for the for the roosters look in in really good shape i think um sometimes playing extra games and and less training extra games in the back end of the of last season and, and less training in, in pre Christmas, it might be a, a, a recipe for success. You never know. If the Roosters get off to a hot start. It might be the boys might be pushing for for less pre Christmas training. But I think the way that um, the internationals have come back, uh, Brandon Smith is, is fit in both on and off the field really really well. Um, he, he's obviously a pretty popular guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, off the field, but uh, on the field. Um, look, they, it's a similar sort of regime and program to the Melbourne Storm, I would imagine, uh, at the Roosters, and um, he's really enjoyed his time there. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been good um, being able to spend a, a bit more time with um, with Sammy Walker and, and working on his his field kicking it has been good, and uh, I've been able to. Um, to spend a bit of time with Joey Manu, too, because so, he does everything else. So they thought, oh, well, if he's going to go and play some halves at some stage, yeah. we're going to teach him how to kick. So nice. um, he's picked that up pretty quickly
2: as you, well, as you would imagine. Do you spend any time with Brendan Smith working on his kicking game? That's probably what most Roosters fans are most intrigued about coming into this uh, this season, the star signing. Obviously, he's got an awesome running game, beast in defence. Kicking game we haven't seen much of in in Melbourne, yep. but is that something that he's worked on in this offseason? Yeah, there's been a little bit of work there. Um, it, it was something that
0: um, when Jake Friend uh, was uh, got really proficient at before he um, unfortunately had retired, Sammy um had a point of difference um, yep. last year with a left foot out of a um, yep. dummy half, or if Drew, Drew Hutch played there, he had a left foot as well. Um, it's just another one there. It does take the pressure off. Luke Keary and Sam Walker, if you can have a dummy half that can not only run the ball, but can can kick as well. So uh,
2: definitely done that. And I'm also trying to get Ted to kick. I want Ted to be Ooh, able to kick. Yeah, Because again, he does everything does else he, as well. I, I know he's a, a rugby league player, but name like Tedesco. Has he got any background in juniors playing soccer? Uh, not as much.
0: Uh, not as much. It's... Um, yeah, I, does that help do you think for players that yeah, have it, it? Yeah, it does. It does. It, it means it's sort of one part of the kicking technique that you teach that you have to take out yeah, that they, they, yeah. they're 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 aware and they're proficient at you know striking the 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 ball with the foot and they just got to get the ball drop right but yeah. um look quick play the ball if Ted can get his hands on his ball quickly there might be some um uh some quick uh Some forty twenty options there later on in the season. There we go. It's it's a long way. It's a long long way down (laughs) the uh, down the track there for Ted because he's got plenty of other things on his plate.
2: Can I just ask you a quick question? And this is just out of interest for me personally. One player in the NRL that could transfer right now quite easily from not quite easily, but most proficiently from NRL to to AFL is it someone like a with a massive boot like a Matt Burton? or someone that's a bit more pinpoint accurate like a Adam Reynolds or Mitch Moses maybe. Yeah, a no, good question.
0: I've had this a lot it, it, it sort of horses for courses. A little bit the one that I've always sort of gone with and my default has been Latrell Mitchell the in, in regards to their like and, and I Roll. and I have spoken to Latrell about this a lot because he thinks he can do it. Yeah. Uh about maybe some running kilometers that he may have to accumulate <laughs> during the game. So I've broached the subject with Trell a fair bit. But just in regards to he's got aerial skills, he's got um, a beautiful kick, Um, he's a competitor. Look, to play at either end of the field, look, the troll could probably do it. Uh, And there would be some guys um, that could um, sort of work through a midfield that have got um, pretty good endurance, but um, I think... In regards to to a league player making the crossover to be sort of as a as a key forward or a key back, and there's plenty of guys out there that can do it. It's it's really interesting being able to to work across two codes, and you you talk to the to the Swans boys, and and they sort of marvel about when they watch in the Roosters train because the fields are pretty close to each other about the amount of contact yeah that happens at at a at a professional first grade rugby league training session where yeah. the AFL boys uh, are not into the, the contact sort of during the week and leave that for the game. And, and it's a sort of vice versa with the rugby league players. They, they just watch our, the Swans players run around the field and they can't believe how much they have to run yeah. during the week. So yeah. uh, the games are so, uh,
2: so different and, and the athletes are, are completely different. One of my best mates growing up played uh, reserve grade for the Roosters, which at the time was Newtown. And he used to go up and train every now and then with the first grade squad. And he said that was one of the big, biggest differences going from reserve grade training to first grade training was the contact midweek yeah. and also the intensity that they train at and the intensity that that, that contact is involved with. Like they go hard midweek. Yeah. And he, he was saying it often leads to like little scuffles or blow ups. Yeah within the team, in training midweek. Do, do, do you see much yeah, of that in the Yeah, you
0: do. In, in the off-season, of at truff? the start, at the start when contact sort of comes into training and the NRL are brought in and there's not, I don't think there's any contract pre, uh, contact pre-Christmas. I think that's uh, a new thing. And I think that's uh, a, a pretty good rule brought in uh, yeah. by, the, by the Rugby League and the RLPA. But post-Christmas, there gets a period <laughs> miss. And you probably understand when you're sort of building up and in, into competition that... At the start, when contact comes, you're too buggered to try and fight anyone. You're just yeah. trying to actually breathe <laughs> and, and get yeah. your breath, and yeah. you might go, "Oh, I'm gonna try and chase after Gibbo and give him a flogging here," but you're like, you're just too buggered. Yeah. And then you, as you start to get your your contact fitness and your match fitness up, and then you start to get the aggression, and you're just sick of. Running in and tackling the same people for about six weeks, <laughs> yeah. and then you start to, as coaches and or play you're like, geez, I, I really need to play another opposition here because yeah. you know there's a point where you're going as close to hundred percent contact as you can, but you know that they're your teammates. Where yeah. you're like, right, I'm ready to actually have a real crack at <laughs> have a real crack at someone yeah, here yeah, and, and yeah. play an opposition. And there's a real fine line in coaching where you get the boys wound up and the contacts to a point, but there is yeah. a few scuffles and. It it gets highlighted. A few of them were highlighted across the AFL over the preseason. Yeah. And Everyone likes to make a big deal out of it, but it's just normal. Every, by the time you get back to the change rooms, everyone's laughing about it and yeah. carrying on. Mate, we used to have scuffles in
2: swim training, let alone full contacts. So. Someone's
0: just not quite over to the left-hand side of the lane, and you start yeah. clipping hands as you go <laughs> yeah. As you're going yeah. down.
2: Yeah. yeah, all sorts. Or of Or someone stuff like thinks that. they're a fast enough
0: swimmer and they're in the fast lane, and yeah, man, <laughs> can you piss off to the
2: medium oh, lane? Oh, that's the world's worst. When you go to a public swimming pool, right, and they've got the lanes—you yeah. know, slow, medium, yeah. fast, or whatever—and there's. I don't know if it's etiquette or what it is, but generally when I go to a pool, if I jump in the uh, in the fast lane, surely everyone if they the they missile, clear out a bit. You
0: know, <laughs> if you're down at Des Renford or any Ian Thorpe or any sort of yeah. local pool, and you just you know you can do, you're punching out a few lanes on a Saturday afternoon yeah. or a in a morning as you do, yeah, as I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bit, beautiful swimmer, and the missile comes and jumps in your lane, yeah. surely you're getting out. No. Well, like, Thanks, no. guys. Thanks, guys. Oh, absolutely. If you like teeing up on the first tee and you got a three ball, and then Tiger Woods ends up, oh boys, can I jump into your group? You like, mate, or do you respect? Like,
1: play through here. Well, if that exact scenario happened, first of all, you take one look at the rig, you look down at your rig, <laughs> and you then take... you're like,
0: I'm not getting out of the pool until no. this guy <laughs> exactly. leaves. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll just stay in the corner bit.
1: It happens in the water as well, like down at Freshwater Lane Beachley seven time yeah. oh, world well, really? champion. Yes, and and usually when it gets good, which is like once or twice a week, yeah. you'd be out there and then you just see Lane Beachley paddling out and you're like, oh. So
2: she just gets natural yeah. priority. Well, <laughs>
1: well, oh yeah. yeah she does, still yeah. go for what? it. Well, no, not really, because she's she knows that run and she first of yeah. all she absolutely shreds harder than anyone else. Yeah, in that beach. Yeah, so it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. if she's even looking at a wave, you're going on. You just say. Like, oh, let yeah, it go. Yeah. Let it I'm go. finding
2: it. I'm finding it hard, Gibbo, to assimilate into uh, the Bondi, not the Bondi surf culture, but I guess. So I grew up in Port Macquarie. Surf culture. Yeah, surfed, bodyboarded, body surfed, did all that stuff, you've and you've done
0: a really good job to
2: keep all your arms and legs. If you're a <laughs> surfer and bodyboarder nah. up in Port Macquarie, well done. No wonder you so, so fast. Yeah, so you learn the etiquette really quickly because yeah. the old guys will just smash you if you do anything out of line. So you you pick it up instantly. First first day out at a, you know a lighthouse beach or town town beach break wall, you, you pick up the etiquette really quickly. At Bondi, it's quite confused because you have got a lot of international tourists. A lot of people learning to surf yeah, and you're like, you've got one end of the beach where there's only softboards, which is where I tend to hang because hang I, I live down that end, so I just take a softboard out. But the etiquette kind of goes out the window and it's like, do you blow up at an international tourist that just drops in on you trying to stand up for the first time? It's kind of annoying. Yeah.
1: No. because Well, first of all, Missile, you're telling me locals on the north coast are territorial and get angry. <laughs> you, are, you must be having a laugh. But I, I reckon in Sydney, and I'm not sure what it's like on the Goldie, I know it's a bit different, but at city beaches, so like your Freshwaters, your Manly's, and your Bondi's, etiquette's all out the window yeah. because everyone's learning. So, yeah. And then if you blow up at someone who – has absolutely no idea they're just doing the wrong thing. You yeah. are an absolute A-grade. Yeah. You're all okay. the best to you, Missile. Yeah, You're yeah. not an A-grade. Not well,
2: yet. I, Fletch Fletch gets down there a bit. Maybe he I, – I reckon he'd have a mid-surf blow up in him.
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've heard that he has a bit of a road rage streak. Problem, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think it could happen. So I could see him blowing up in the water. Yeah. But – he tells me his, um, his sort of surfing stories and he just says he reckons he's just gas paddling out. So. <laughs> yeah, a I mean, just, yeah, it's a big better. bob around out there for half yeah. an hour
2: and then cruise back in. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, I'd like to hear from our listeners. If if you've got any ideas on surf etiquette, 0457 736 736. We're also coming up on the show today, Nick, we've got Channel 9 rugby league reporter, Zach Bailey. We're going to talk all things rugby league with him. Former Wallaby and Stan commentator, Tim Horan. Plus, we've got our regular segments, which is uh, which is new for me. We've got the week in review later this hour, where we'll go through all the biggest stories of the week. Yeah, nah, I've I've That's been it, mate. I've, I've been thinking about twenty past one. ten. I've got That's a couple. I've got a couple straight off the bat. Uh, and uh, do yourself a favor. So there's plenty of things on at the moment. We're going to give some advice on what people should be doing. All right, we'll take a break. Coming up, we've got the NRL scores. You're here on the Mowers Club with James Magnuson and Nick Davis. The kogan money credit card a great value card with reward
1: if you love your lawn you'll love toro's latest finance offers on walk power and ride on mowers this is the saturday morning mowers club on sen with james magnuson and nick davis
2: yes welcome back to the mowers club nick we're going to jump straight into that blockbuster last night the panthers 12 defeated by the broncos 13 our first boil over of the 2023 season we only had to wait 3 games yeah and it was
0: probably one missile that um if you're looking at your tips at the start of the 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 round it could have been that one i thought the broncos last year for the majority of the year were were pretty strong and the wheels just fell off towards the end but just goes to show and, and what always happens is uh, and until South win another comp, the Adam, Re- Adam, Adam Reynolds move up there. He um, he orchestrated that game well. He got his field goal in the right spot. Yeah, he was um, he's such a good player. He doesn't, you know, have the fanfare and, and the the hype around him of a Cleary, but he um, he's such a good player. Uh, the, and the rest of his team, his halves partners, remember, looked amazing. Yep. Um, so it, it's quite easy to to hang it on Penrith, and we, we might in a little bit. Oh, but we will. <laughs> we will. But uh, but the the Broncos look really good. You got some stats there. Payne Haas through the middle was uh, was phenomenal in, in a game where you're um, coming up against one of the, the the big packs of the competition in the Panthers. He really aimed up
2: as well. Well, it's interesting towards the back end of last season, we started talking about the best front rowers in the game and the, the names that kept coming up with Joseph Tupenay, uh Fisher Harris yep. is being considered potentially the premier front rower in the game for a couple of seasons now. Payne has had a really injury riddled season last year. Mm-hmm. And I think we had the propensity for, to forget what he was capable of. I thought last night he dominated that that battle in the middle, dominated Fisher-Harris, dominated Moses-Leota, and off the back of that, Brisbane kind of steamrolled them at at different points during the game. In saying that, Panthers had so much good ball down on the Broncos line and they could not crack them. And I thought the difference, like you mentioned, was Adam Reynolds over the halves for uh, the Panthers. Uh, We're starting to see the effects of life after Viliami Kikau. And Appy Corosau. Yeah. and and really good point.
0: It's probably Appy Corosau
2: because yeah. the halves they get set
0: on their on their edges in good ball, and 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 the and the hooker makes that decision of which way to go. And yeah, that that probably that that good ball um, sets that they had Penrith there. Generally, everyone thinks that the halves yeah you know, control a lot of that play, but it is a lot uh, a lot of. The, the hooker's role as well.
1: well did you see? Oh, I felt watching the game that Penrith looked the best when their number 14, Sony Luke, came yes. on. Yeah. Mitch, and I know last year they were playing that similar role where Mitch Kenny would start, Appy Corosau would come off the bench. Mm-hmm. But they just looked a complete different team. It looked like Cleary and Luai both had more time with the ball. Did, how quickly do you think Ivan Cleary changes that rotation or, or if he does it all. What do you I didn't
2: think? completely understand the, the use of Sonny Luke. So Sonny Luke came on for the last 20 minutes. I think yeah. tw- the last 25 minutes he came on that he scored the try. And that was when they started looking more dangerous down that end of the field with Mitch Kenny on, he's a beast defender, hits hard, uh gives decent service but doesn't offer any real threat and I don't think he draws in the markers when he when he passes to mm-hmm. the, to the first receiver and when Sonny Sonny Luke came on I was like oh this is a different side this looks a little like Appi Corusau the way he moved the way he drew the markers uh, and the service he was giving, so I think that's going to pretty quickly change to him yeah, getting more minutes. Yeah, it's an
0: interesting minutes. one as a coach. You, you go through a whole preseason with a game plan, and you think that's going to mm. that you think is going to work. And you, okay, this is this is the role for this player, and and you get to round one, and it doesn't quite work out. How long you you sort of roll with it, or if you if you flip pretty quickly? But um, there's a few people there, and missile question with and without notice, uh, Stephen
2: Crichton. I'm a little bit worried. Uh, I'm a little... No, look, it's it's a long season, and I'm sure he'll he'll get better as the season goes. But we saw him play fullback against uh, St. Helens, yep. and he was pretty underwhelming. Then last night, a couple of his defensive reads, a couple of uh, decisions in attack. I think he kicked on the second tackle at one point down at the, there of the field, and it was just a, a nothing play. But rushing out of the line, going for intercepts, making poor reads uh, for the Herbie Farnworth try... Um, I'm a little bit worried, particularly if it was reported that he's coming across on eight to 900,000 a year for four years, it's huge money. Uh, it does worry me a little bit, uh, in saying that if you're a player at a club, Nick, and, and you sign for a team for the following season, where's your head at? Where's your motivation at for that current season? It, it has to affect you, surely.
0: Uh yeah, it would and anyone that thinks that it doesn't or says that it doesn't is probably telling f- fibs. Um, it's a little bit different in, in AFL land, but I think, look, round one, Penrith, they're 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 back to back. They're they're playing probably the long game for this season, and and it'd be um it'd be quite hard to have them wound up. They've they've gone back to back. They've played a World Club Challenge. Um, it, it's. It's really hard to be, you know, at the top of your game, and Miss O, you can understand with yeah. with Olympics and all that sort of stuff that it, it's really hard to just be redlining the whole way, and, yeah. and, and you need the ebb and flow. Uh, uh, there is the ebb and flow, and look, they only they did only get beat by by a point by a side that would you know, everyone's pretty much got in their top 8 um yeah. for for this year so yeah. um as much as we want to heap it on to 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 the uh the penrith fans <laughs> <laughs> that uh look i don't think the panic buttons would be uh well and truly pressed uh out there at the foot of the mountains potentially a little bit further uh, uh which, which way are we going east east yeah at Parramatta.
2: yeah uh, i want to hear from two sets of fans on this one firstly bulldogs fans what are your thoughts on Stephen Crichton coming across next year on big money to play fullback and Panthers fans? Are you a little bit concerned this year? You've now got two players in your squad in Stephen Crichton and Spencer Lenu that are both signed for clubs uh, next year. Won't be at the Panthers. Uh, are they going to be, you know, putting in their best efforts? So Texas in 0457 736 736 or call us 1 300 uh, The other one, Jerome Luai. So, He's going to be getting used to life without Viliami Kikau standing next to him. Yep. Um i listened to the Matty Johns and Cooper Cronk podcast they did on Fox Sports, which was really interesting. And Cooper said, this is going to be a huge year for Jerome. He's under a lot of pressure. The reason being, having Viliami Kikau standing next to you in, a, in an attacking line means he draws a lot of attention away from you because he's a constant looming threat. Mm-hmm. And if if you don't have a couple of players on Viliami, then he's going to go through when he gets the ball. So he's constantly drawing pressure off Jerome Luai. Jerome Luai last night looked rushed at times, panicked at times, threw a few balls that went to ground. Uh, how long do you think it will? Uh, Luke Garner for kick kickout is not a like-for-like replacement. Two very different players, two very different physiques. How long do you think it will take Jerome Luai to adapt to life after? Uh, Viliami Kikia? Yeah,
0: great question. I think it'll be probably a three to four week, maybe more process because yeah. you, you, you're doing opposed stuff, edge versus edge stuff at, at training and, and pretty much the opposition, knows, like the opposition at training because of your teammates, knows what sort of uh, system or block play you're going to run. Whereas um, Cooper Cronk, one of the astute minds of the game, and uh, again lucky enough to be able to stand and listen to him at training. He knows what's going on, still Coops and Villiamakikia. You 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 can't be one on one with him on an edge there, especially against the half. So that as you're absolutely right, Jela- Jerome Luai was able to have a lot more time last year, whereas now they're going to wedge a lot more and, and they're going to send a, um, players at Jerome Luai a lot more, having the confidence that they can tackle one-on-one on the outside now. It's yeah. not Filiama Kike standing yeah. there. So it's It's going to be an interesting one there. And and also defensively as well, how much more traffic is going to be sent down that edge at Jerome Luai. So, um, yeah, I, I thought probably, you know, in, a pass mark at best. Uh, but, again, round one, they've got beat by a point inside the the old, inside the four walls where they won't be panicking. But, um, yeah, as we said, oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Any Penrith fans out there? Are you concerned about last night's performance?
2: Yeah. And on the flip side, the Broncos, they look legit. Great squad. Yeah. Uh, played really well. They're talking about re-signing Kevy for a further few years. So how far from the, can the Broncos go this year? Like, let's let's hear from our listeners on that as well, because I, I think the Broncos now look like genuine top eight um, contenders. All right. We'll take a break. Coming up, we'll look at the Newcastle and Warriors game. You're on the Mowers Club with James Magnussen and Nick Davis.
1: As Payton is next, and William, he finds half a break. Man on the inside, he finds him. Can he step around?
2: He does. And going in is the man who was here four or five years ago, Chance
1: nickel Klustad. It's an emotional try for him as the players swarm him. And the Warriors have try number three. They lead on the scoreboard 14 points to 12.
2: Yeah, that's our friends across the dish, ditch at SENZ calling the Warriors Knights game. The Warriors, of course, 20, defeated the Knights 12. Uh... That was in Wellington. Nick, uh, a really high-quality high, high quality game. I had both of these mm. teams in my bottom four at the start of the year, but I was impressed with, with both of their performances. Uh, hard to say whether uh, you know that, that puts them in terms of form mm. because um, I think most people had them pretty low on the ladder, but it may mean that the standard across the whole competition has raised a bit this year.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I think the the standard of this game was uh, was pretty good. Probably two sides that um, similar to last year started off really well. Uh, the Warriors, I think they they're a side that um, are, are always going to be dangerous. Uh, they've got a you know a proper home ground advantage across there. Uh, back again uh, in New Zealand. And the Knights started the year off well last year. They beat the Roosters in round one. Uh, they start well. And and both of these sides over the last few years, it's been consistency. Consistency of having their best players on the field. And we'll talk Kalen Ponga again. Uh, but consistency of having their best players on the field. And then when they do that, making sure that they're, they're playing consistent 80 minutes. And both sides showed that at their best, that their uh, they're, they're best footy is, is pretty good.
1: Boys, did you notice watching this game in the first half that there were there were a million set restarts and they were all from Newcastle the Knights were offside. Now, Nick, I want to ask you at mm. training because there's the new interpretation where both feet have to be yep. behind the ten metre line. Now it looked like last night that the Knights were getting that wrong. Is that something that's been spoke yep. about at training?
0: Yeah, it is. A lot of a lot of teams now have uh, referees come in and, and ref scrimmage right. at least at least once a, once a week. And it's one that you don't want to be giving away cheap field position and cheap ball, um, especially around one, two or three when the petrol tickets are uh, – the petrol lights flashing red pretty early in a, in a game. Uh, and it's one um, that as a player – like if you get a couple early, fair enough, but you need to be smart enough as a playing group to adjust to that and, and understand that the different refs or di- referees oh, – well, he's pretty strict on this – The message will come out from the boys. Let's make sure we're back, you know, another 30, 40. Let's get back so we're not giving away these penalties. And one or two, yeah, fair enough. But you need to be able, as a playing group and as a captain or a coaching staff, be able to get that message out that, okay, let's adjust to the ref. They're going to be pretty hot on this
2: today. Let's make sure we get back, get both feet behind the line. Alright, so a huge uh, turning point in this game was uh, the Knights lost Ponga towards the back end of the game for HIA. He was just starting to yep. ignite their attack. Uh, it didn't look like he was suffering the effects of concussion, but let's hear what Kalen Ponga had to say about that.
0: Interesting to see like their take on it. I think I've been, I've been knocked out before. I definitely wasn't in any state. It was, I couldn't believe it. Ten minutes to go, game on the line. I'm literally fine. I think there's an assessment usually that happens, but yeah, I got taken off by an independent doc- doctor, I think. caught me by surprise. And I said to the ref, I'm not going off, but it's not, it's not, his, it's not his call. It's someone in a box. It's a 10-minute, or is it 10 minutes? I think it's a 10-minute process. But there's usually an assessment sometimes on the field where it's like they check your balance and stuff like that, but that wasn't the case because it was an independent doctor in a box somewhere. Come comes straight off.
2: Yeah, he's had a little dig there. The thing I wonder <laughs> about Kalen Ponga is, and we talk about this with players getting suspe- suspended and having a reputation for, you know, foul play or whatever. Now that he's got a, a reputation for head knocks and concussions, is he more susceptible to being pulled off mm. for a HIA by by that independent doctor because of his history?
0: Yep, absolutely. And I think um, I. Listening to him explain that there and saying that he has been knocked out before that. um Yeah, it, it was 10 minutes to go. Is there a quicker way to get them back on the field? If it is the independent doctor, HIA he said, look, there's normally one that happens on the field where the, the orange shirt runs out, gives you the, your balance test, yeah, a bit of a faculties test and, and you're right to go. But if it is from the independent doctor, it's, you, it, it's off and you don't have those tests done and you go inside and it's 10 minutes. Is there one, is there a way that, you know, independent doctor, fair enough, they're making a call like judged off a screen from, from wherever mm. they are. They, they might as well be sitting at the stain with Gibbo. They, they've got, yeah. you could make the call. And if, if he comes off, can that, can that process be sped up?
2: Can I just say that, that often, so often in in decisions like this, common sense seems to go out the window a bit. For for most mm. fans sitting at home watching, you can get a pretty good indication of is someone concussed yeah. or are they not? It didn't look like he was concussed, did it?
0: No, it didn't. And and in Kalen Ponger's uh, audio there from the from the presser, he, I was, he says, "I've been knocked out before, yeah. and and I I didn't feel it." You, you, it's a hard one there, and and everyone's preaching safety and and, and protecting players' heads, and um, it's a it's a the catch twenty two for the independent uh, doctor if they leave them on, uh, fair enough. But I, I just think if if that process. If there's um, a, a grey, like you said, it's pretty clear. If yeah, it, it, ten minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes. If if they're concussed and they fail it, an extra ten minutes might not make a difference. So if we can get them off uh, with the independent doctor, do those tests that they would do on the field uh, and get
2: these players back on safely uh, as quick as we can. That would be awesome. Well, Knights fans, uh, don't fear. I don't think your stocks have dropped at all as a result of that loss. I thought both clubs looked quite good. Uh, If you want to give us your say on the Knights or the Warriors and that match last night, text us in 0457 736 736. After this, we're going to dissect all the big stories throughout the week. Cam Smith and Denon Kemp spoke about player salaries and making those salaries public knowledge. So at the start of the season, releasing all the salaries for every player in the club's mm-hmm. top 30 roster, mm-hmm. all the salaries for every player in the club's mm-hmm. top 30 roster mm-hmm. so that the public and uh, I guess journos, they'll would, they would love mm-hmm. this stuff, can see exactly who's being paid what and how that fits into the salary cap. What it would do would put an end to the, de- the debate that, you know, the Roosters salary cap <laughs> sombrero uh, all, all that kind of yeah. rhetoric, but... Of course, there is always issues around privacy uh, for for players. At the end of the day, they're just employees. Mm -hmm. You were a player. How would you feel about your salary being made public? And do, do you think it would quell any rumors of salary sombreros and stuff like that? Or do you think that rhetoric will always be around in the game?
0: That will always be there and it would make it absolutely worse. I think it's ridiculous that anyone would want to think that players' salaries should be made public. And from a player's perspective because yep. all it's going to do and too much of the commentary and dissection of players' performances is based on what they get paid. Yeah, it is. It yep. doesn't matter yep. what they get paid. I played plenty of games where I played worse than what I got paid and I played a few games where I played better than what I got paid. Yeah. And in the end, it's a, everyone's on a bit of a different bell curve of, of, of a young player that's playing well is going to get paid post when he plays well or pre when he plays well. And it, too much of it is about – and what will happen, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the journos that are out there would – because it's just easy. Oh, it's Ken and Fodder.
2: Ken and once and Fodder once, you, yeah, once, once, once your salary is public, you know the article that's going to get written. Exactly. Around. And, and we saw it with uh, – Ash Taylor is probably the best example, yep. and the other one is is David Fafita. We judge David Fafita based on his one point two reported salary. That's good luck to him. It's not his fault. <laughs> yeah, it's not his
0: fault what he gets paid, and, and it's it. And at the moment, and it's a little bit further down. It's at the top, like Mitch Moses. Okay, there's no, and some of it's. Luck, and obviously it's good play and good management. Timing. But timing. Mitch yeah. Moses is out of contract when no other half worth their salt is out of contract. So he yeah. has got the full market. He is fishing in a pond, and he is the only fisherman, and there is clubs out there screaming for herbs. Yeah. But if he comes off contract when uh, Nathan Cleary might be off contract – Chad Townsend now, who's up there in the top echelon, is out of contract, Sam Walker, and a few others, well, then that's you're fishing in a, in a bit more of a, a congested pond.
1: Just on the player salaries being made public, Nick, don't you think, well, you, you know yourself, you hang around with a lot of the players, you're out training. A lot of the, the young players are on social media quite a bit. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to get smashed by the journalists if they're underperforming. But I, I think just your everyday punter, like we even see it when guys... Lose Yeah. like people are getting death yeah. threats. What about yep. if some poor bloke has got his salary out there? Is, are they not going to be even more targeted than they already are now?
0: Yeah, I yeah I think it's um yeah it, there's the journalistic side of it where everyone can nail them, but then there's just your your general lifestyle. And yeah. it, it, does it matter how much James Tedesco gets paid? Mm. Does it really matter to to people? And we're arguing about it. Does it matter how much uh Mitch Moses and it it Sometimes it adds to the the speculation uh, about yeah. these contract sizes. Uh, look, the um, the NFL, the the NBA, a lot of their, but they're dealing in, in tens of millions. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's their, a slightly their, different ballgame. Their spread of of cash money is is a lot different. You go, yeah. oh, someone's on thirty seven million. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty wide. Yeah, you know, if he's on thirty six, well, what's the difference between yeah. thirty five and thirty six million? Like. A million bucks for everyone is a lot, but, uh, yeah, I'm just, I think sometimes there needs to be a protection and look, you don't know, you don't go and ask the brewster at the coffee shop. If he makes a, <laughs> if he makes a shit house coffee, you don't go, I oh, mean, how much you get paid by the way? Because yeah. what, oh, man, if you get paid 40 bucks an hour for this, you should only get 30 because that coffee was horrific.
2: Yeah. Like. I think we need to be pretty careful there. On the flip side of that, uh, I think one group who would be very nervous if those salaries were made public would be some of the administrators at these clubs, particularly the bottom clubs, because obviously those top clubs manage their salary cap expertly and manage to stay at the top of the table because they do so well mm-hmm. with their signings, retention, all that point. kind of stuff. This is a great boy. Some of those bottom clubs, I'm sure if you're we, paying
0: this for yeah, that. I'm
2: sure if we released <laughs> th- let's say the the salaries for the, the St. George Dragons, mm-hmm. we would be sitting there sitting there going, You paid that. Like it, this it's, is poor management of a salary exactly. cap. It's not the players' fault. No. It's not
0: the players' fault that they get paid a certain amount. And there'll be players out there there would be more, and I'll challenge anyone. You know, if if all the salaries got published, mm. there would be more people saying, "I can't believe he gets paid that. He should get paid more." Yep. Than the other way around.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, obviously, a lot of fans and a lot of media want to see salaries. You, as a player, Nick, think they should be kept uh, kept private. Let's hear from our listeners. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Would you like the public's players, other uh, players' salaries, to be public?
1: If you love your lawn, you'll love Toro's latest finance offers on Walk Power and Ride On Mowers. This is the Saturday Morning Mowers Club on SEN with James Magnusson and Nick Davis.
2: We're brought to you by Toro. Love your work. Love your Toro mower. Uh, Next hour, we'll be joined by Zach Bailey from Channel 9. Uh, But now, Nick, we're going to get to some texts. Let's hear from our listeners. This first one from Rich, he says, hey, mowers. Take Missiles' so point about Crichton's motivation, but Flegler and Herbie are in the same situation, and they were massive last night. Mm-hmm. Bronx were impressive last night. Imagine if they had a decent nine. But I didn't think Billy Walters was. I thought too he was bad, pretty good. Actually. I yeah. thought he was okay. And again, you're looking about.
0: You, you can't have the best of everything. Uh, no. They've got a, one of the the best game managers and, and halves in the competition in, in Adam Reynolds, and he'll help uh, Billy Walters no end.
2: A couple of huge pickups there for the Dolphins, uh, Herbie uh, Farnworth and um, Thomas Flegler. They were massive last night. Uh, just a quick one before we uh, we go to the break. This one, uh, bottom line, is Dr. Costa Knight's the chance to go in front? Then the ref sent a knight out the back for... Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, and Warriors scored. Knights ripped off, says Razor from Brisbane. Go the Storm. And the Storm. It, 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 it shouldn't decide the match, but in that case, it kind of felt like it did with the Pongan decision. But uh, HIA is going to be a huge issue in our game for a long time to come. So it's probably not the last we've seen of it. All right. As I said, coming up, we've got Zach Bailey from Channel 9 uh, to chat all things NRL.